Good morning and salutations. Welcome to Spiritual Blitterings, Philosophical Ponderings, and Everything Ramblings at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. This is a Just Some Guy production. I'm that guy, your host, Steve, the Hopeful Humanist. Today we're going to talk about ideas and flow, the good life, and resources for your spiritual toolbox. Today, in episode 21, entitled Happiness and the Flying Solo M Word, Personal and Private, but did you know? We're going to talk about something very uncomfortable, masturbation. Before we get to that, I'd just like to say, I know this episode is a little late in coming, but the summer's here and it has spiritual sabbatical written all over it. The focus has been family, friends, and fun, spending time outside, living, laughing, playing. And I hope that you have that kind of summer as well. Originally, I planned to use the M word, masturbation, in the title of the episode, but I discovered that that word is a real discussion stopper. The word itself, and and not just the taboo behavior it signifies, creates discomfort. Words like awkward, sinful, shame, guilt. I had one friend during a preliminary conversation that identified, well, you know what, I'm going to hell, and depravity these are the thoughts and, and words that come to mind if, if one were to free associate about masturbation. At the mere mention of the M-word, people avert their eyes, they turn away from the conversation, they go silent or walk away. So I've decided to use an assortment of different words suggested by Tisha Morgan and the link for her TED Talk is in the show notes. So I've decided to use an assortment of different words from me time, to self-romancing, all the way to sensual self-touch. But you can creatively make up whatever word that you would like to use so that this becomes an approachable conversation, a more comfortable conversation. To continue on this theme of creating an atmosphere that will allow us to approach this conversation, I think it could be fun and playful to imagine that for the moment we're comprising, composing a playlist or we're going to recruit some intro music for the podcast episode. So I would propose, I'm not sure what you would propose, I'm sure something comes to mind, but I would propose uh, She Bop by Cyndi Lauper or Lazy Song by Bruno Mars. So yeah, we have some theme music that we can just imagine that's playing in the background. So in terms of this awkward conversation, I have three goals. The first is to pose a number of questions about the topic at hand. Just pose some questions. And I I want to say that I don't have anything new to offer the conversation. The resources, they speak for themselves. But as I've discovered through a number of preliminary conversations, an an uncomfortableness about the topic, it, it does exist. As I said, one person suggests he's going to probably going to hell. So I think it's important just to do some consciousness raising and to invite people to do some critical thinking about a topic that I think is really important. The conversation needs to evolve. Number two would be to share, point out, bring to one's attention a number of resources for people to check out so that they can reflect upon the questions posed, the things that I'm going to ask you to think about. I'm going to ask you to think about something, so I should give you some resources. And lastly, 
my goal is to identify the precipitating circumstances that, that got me interested in the topic because I think it does a really good job at fleshing out what it is this thing that I've called C cubed in the previous episode, circumstance, choice, consequence. So there are three questions I'd like you to consider, to reflect upon. The first is the question, is there a link? When, when we look at the research, is there a possible link between happiness, mental health, sexual health, and masturbation? Now, if there is a link, if the information suggests there's a link, my second question is, do there appear to be attitudinal differences regarding social acceptability of female versus male onesomes? Additionally, are there attitudinal perspectives that could be unhelpful in terms of what we decide to do with the information that we collect from the research that has been done about the connection between masturbation health, mental health, and sexual health. The third question is, can sexual solitaire or self-relaxation therapy be a tool people could benefit from putting in one's self-care toolbox? There are three resources I'd like to showcase. So I'll just identify them right away. And should you like to short circuit the conversation and get directly to those resource links, I want to make that possible. So the first one is, and, and this is a great resource for teens and parents, it's called teenhealthsource.com. The other two are TED Talks. The first is called A Motion for Masturbation, The Naked Truth by Jan Langton. This is a resource for parents. And she starts her TED Talk by getting really personal and offers a kind of a true confession account of driving solo. It takes a lot of courage. Uh, Brene Brown and vulnerability. She just totally brings this to light in terms of her honesty about her experience with masturbation. The second is a web, uh, the second is a TED Talk called Masturbation Myths by Tisha Morgan. Once again, an, another resource for uh, adults. There's a quote from the Jane Langton TED Talk called A Motion for Masturbation, The Naked Truth that I'd like to start off with. In that TED Talk, she quotes Betty Dotson, who's a researcher in sexual health, who, who has stated that masturbation is the foundation for all human sexuality. There's a lot to try to wrap your head around with that one. But she's saying that there's something fundamental about our awareness of ourselves and our relationship of our, like our mental world and our bodies and that that somehow is foundational in terms of our relationship with others and with ourselves. So I'd like to offer a few disclaimers before moving on. I think it would only be prudent. First, I'd like to note that it's not an episode about true confessions. I mean, that's, that's personal and private, the personal and private matter. And so when I had some preliminary conversations with, with a friend who identified, you know, I'm going to hell, it's like, well, no, that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is what does the, in, the research indicate? Because I think that there's some important conversations that need to take place but aren't taking place because the conversation is just too uncomfortable. Also, I'd like to add to my usual reminder that while I do not have a monopoly on the truth, 
I also do not have a monopoly on morality. I'm just some guy attempting to make you think and reflect upon the pros and cons of different resources and to empower others to discover their authentic selves, to think with a self-reflective lens about the things that one needs to do to actualize one's life. And that hopefully in the process of offering some resources, some of the resources might uh, strike a chord, resonate. I feel that a, a quiet discussion has been taking place in, in terms of masturbation for a period now. But it's a conversation that feels like it must whisper, right, for fear of shame and guilt and uncomfortableness, but that it's, it's slowly rising to the surface of curiosity and that perhaps it may not appear that what is happening is, is just a quiet conversation, but more specifically a quiet revolution about self-awareness and empowerment. And, you know, maybe this suggestion goes too far. Maybe I'm going too far. But I, I think if we look at what's happening in popular media, if, if we look at certain sitcoms, we can see there's this interest about bringing to light an uncomfortable conversation. And we could see that you could go and watch a, a scene on the 70s show where Eric and Donna are having an experience or uh, they're processing or debriefing an experience uh, of Donna walking in on Eric. And in Seinfeld, they, they bring up this idea of master of my domain. And there, there's a contest that they have. And in Grace and Frankie, there's a, a business venture that's, that's launched and, and it's connected to this greater discussion about masturbation. So I, I think that it's a conversation that people want to have, but there's a, a lot of things that are holding us back. And I'll get into the terrain soon enough. But I just wanted to identify that I think we're moving in the direction of being able to have a mature, respectful conversation about the facts that research is revealing in terms of masturbation and happiness, mental health and sexual health, but it's still got a number of obstacles. Let's see what we find out about what the research is suggesting in terms of information from a couple of the resources that I have reviewed. So the first is the teenhealthsource.com. If you go to that website, you're going to find information about birth control, gender identity and sexual orientation, pregnancy, puberty in the body, relationships and self-esteem, sex and STIs. If you click on the, the sex link, it will bring you to a page where it talks about what is masturbation. It says masturbation is touching your genitals in a way that makes you feel good, something you can do alone or with someone else. Who, who does it? The majority of people masturbate, including people of all genders, abilities, sexualities, ethnicities, cultures, religions, and ages, and people are single or in relationships. And it also identifies that choosing not to masturbate is okay too. So what are some of the reasons or the benefits of masturbation? They identify that masturbation feels good. Masturbation is a way to explore your body and find out what feels good for you. This is part of that positive sexual health. Masturbation can prepare you for sex with someone else. As I identified, this is a resource for 
teens and adults. Masturbation can relieve stress and help you relax. With masturbation, there's no risk of pregnancy or STIs, and masturbation can relieve symptoms of PMS. In addition to the information provided here at teenhealthsource.com, I compiled a list of the, the benefits of, what should, I, what should I call it this time? I'll call it flying solo. Um, there are a list of benefits that, I, that I've compiled from a, a number of online articles. I want to note first that masturbation releases dopamine and oxytocin. And so these are two of the four happy chemicals or neurotransmitters that are in our bodies, serotonin and endorphins being the other ones. And so if we're asking if there's a link and we're saying, well, you know, there are these things called happy chemicals, it would, it would seem like right here we're identifying that there does appear to be a, a connection between happiness and masturbation. Up to 95% of men and up to 89 to 92% of women masturbate. And this is a statistic, this is information I got from an article called Masturbation's Not So Dirty Secret. It's good for you. It's good for our health. So I have compiled the list of 13 different items that apparently are connected to masturbation, the health outcomes, I guess we could say. So number one, it boosts self-esteem. Number two, it decreases stress. Number three, it decreases pain. Number four, it helps sleep. Number five, it reduces incontinence. Number six, it allows for greater sexual desire. Number seven, it increases feelings of pleasure and satisfaction. Number eight, improves mood. Number nine, it's one can become more relaxed. Number 10, it, it relieves stress and anxiety. Number 11, it provides you a greater understanding of your body. Number 12, you have better connection to your sexual preferences. And number 13, for men over 50, it lowers risk of prostate cancer. What a list. There's a whole bunch of things here that I think people could connect with from the struggle that people have with sleep. We're all dealing with stress and anxiety. There are a number of people that are living with chronic pain. There are people that feel disconnected from their bodies. So a whole string of health benefits. I, there's a quote from a person named Kerner in an article from Masturbation's Not So Dirty Secret. And Kerner goes on to say, in my experience, healthy, happy people, people in good relationships, people with good sex lives, masturbate. Another quote from that article goes on to say, masturbation can be a self-soothing behavior that calms down our minds, gets us in touch with our bodies, and gives us time to focus on ourselves instead of worrying about what others think. So these are, these are the benefits, but there, there, are, there appear to be some obstacles. So what's the train of uh, this uh, discussion look like? Well, number one, I identified that the, the M word itself is triggering, uh, let alone the, the negative attitudes directed to the behavior it signifies. The word itself seems to create discomfort. So we have to figure out words that we can use that will allow the conversation to be more comfortable. Some people might just say, we just got to grow up and get used to the word masturbation and there's no need to make any changes whatsoever. I'm, I'm open to uh, both of those attitudes. For myself, my inclination was to look for a variety of other words that can make, make the conversation more, more approachable. 
In terms of the train, I, I, I sense that there are an array of varying attitudes that could help or hinder the discussion. I sense that there are attitudinal differences in terms of the social acceptedness of masturbation as, a, as it relates to gender. Perhaps this might be more of a recent reality than a past reality, but I have noticed that, for instance, this, this, this one resource called OMGS, the Science of Women's Pleasure, that there really is a, an encouragement for women to find perhaps a relationship with masturbation that transcends and goes beyond guilt and shame so that there's an opportunity to become aware of one's body. There's some self, an opportunity for self-discovery and that, that this it can be empowering and that it boosts a person's self-esteem and allows a person to then know oneself and be able to communicate in terms of an intimate relationship what one knows to be true about one's body because you have a greater understanding of the pleasures and, and the things that give satisfaction and that that could be a really enhancing thing to do in terms of fostering intimate connections. When it comes to teen males in popular media films, let's say like American Pie, it, it seems while there's a recognition that males are more apt to masturbate more frequently, I still feel that there's a, a negative judgment that goes along with it. It's as if it's a, a form of an impulsiveness that cannot be overcome, that there's a, a perversion about it, and that it's something that definitely has to be done in secret. I mean, once again, it is a private and personal matter, but that there, there can't even be a, an acknowledgement that you're one of the 95% of the males who do this. Uh, because if, if you do, then, well, you know, it's not something that will boost a person's self-esteem once it becomes, becomes public. I've been thinking about the need for a shift in the attitude about the awareness of the greater frequency because I think that that would in increase the, the benefits that would go along with happiness, mental health, and positive sexual health in terms of um, identity and, and self-acceptance. We can see different attitudes in, in terms of, let's say, religious perspective, a religious perspective on masturbation. There's a podcast called The One Extraordinary Marriage, and they have a cautionary note when it comes to masturbation, and, and you'll have to decide for yourself if it's helpful or if it's not helpful. But there's a strong, it's indirect because they actually, I think, addressed this issue in an implied way as they were talking about the dangers of pornography. But I, I believe that there's a, a, an implied strong discouragement as it's seen as something that could interfere and disrupt a marriage. And, and additionally, the, they address the dangers of indirectly of, of masturbation by mixing it with other addictive behaviors and that, that this can have negative ramifications on a, a person's marriage. The behaviors that a person could be addicted to stretch from living in the, the stress response, just always always having drama in one's life. We could be addicted to technology, the idea of um, cell phones, uh, shopping, working, sexual promiscuity, gambling, gaming. And so if this was a concern, if someone was thinking, you know, I, uh, I have a, I'm addicted to masturbating, you can go to the CAMH webpage and visit their public education section 
and there's a whole bunch of helpful information and resources that are identified in terms of combating that particular concern, this idea of becoming addicted to a substance or a behavior. So yeah, it's a, it's a continuum, right? And in terms of that continuum where this particular podcast raises the cautionary flag, it's not so strange because in terms of my religious upbringing as a, as a Catholic, masturbation was pronounced a, a sin and it conjured up images of, you know, fear of eternal damnation in addition to like just feeling guilty and, and, and shameful. So this is kind of the terrain, like the, the, some of the things that are possibly being helpful in terms of encouraging the conversation and other things that are perhaps unhelpful in terms of resulting in people feeling guilt and shame about something that they, they may be doing. So what was the precipitating circumstances that led to my curiosity? Well, it, it relates to the terrain that I have been talking about. Uh, but quite specifically, my two sons, uh, they recently had a curiosity about their bodies and an interest about where babies come from, right? So the total circumstance of my interest in this discussion includes my son's curiosity, uh, the train I mentioned above in terms of the uh, different attitudes, in terms of gender or religious attitudes about the discussion. Uh, it includes being born in a specific historical period right now, you know, 2019, where research is available about such a topic when, you know, this wasn't always the case. Uh, in the past, myths persisted that were very unhelpful. It, the, the circumstance includes my wife's past experience and my past experience with the whole birds and the bees talk as we experienced it or didn't experience it in terms of our youth and also of our responsibility as parents to love, support, guide, and educate our children so that they can have happy, healthy, and positive relationships with other people, but also a happy, healthy, and positive relationship with themselves. So this circumstantial situation led to me and my wife having to ask some questions to ourselves. You know, do we answer their questions? If we do answer the questions, how much do we share? You know, if, if we share information, what resources will we use? Because the resources I already identified wouldn't be appropriate for them, so we would have to find specific age-appropriate resources. Where would we have the conversation? Additionally, we needed to be mindful that this talk would only be one of many what we would refer to as life talks, one which others might call the sex talk or the birds and the bees, but for us, it's, it's, it goes beyond that because it has to include a recognition of the importance about talking about one's feelings and expanding upon this idea of intimacy in terms of that foundational idea for human sexuality that I identified at the beginning and our eventual relationship with others in, in an intimate sense as we grow older. This was the, the ground upon which we were walking. We wanted to make sure that we didn't just give information. We wanted to normalize the discussion, their curiosity, and connect the curiosity to the importance of healthy, loving, trusting, respectful relationships. So my wife initiated the conversation after we had done all the planning, and she used two books. One was called 30 Days of Sex Talks, Empowering Your Children with Knowledge of Sexual Intimacy, 
And the other was, Dis-moi, d'où viennent les bébés, éducation sexuelle pour les enfants de 4 ans et plus. With these two really incredible age-appropriate resources, we were able to give them information about what others would call the birds and the bees, and that we could, with that initial conversation, move or segue into the conversation about their curiosity with their bodies and identify that it's normal, natural, and that exploring one's body can be a source of pleasure. Now, the consequence of this discussion for me and my wife, you know, to courageously have this initial awkward conversation, after the fact, it's been a sense of pride. Like, so the consequence has been a, a sense of pride knowing that we've been responsible parents and also allowed for us to have a deeper connection with each other throughout the whole planning process and with our boys. The conversation was joyful and to not have it would have been to deprive ourselves of something meaningful. I, I sincerely mean that. This process was expanding. As I, I discovered a lot of resources, it allowed me to discover such discussions didn't have to be awkward and can foster deeper levels of family connection. And, and in that process, recognize that me time, one sums, or sensual self-touch, that masturbation is a choice and could be a part of one's self-care regimen to help with sleep troubles, to reduce pain, to stand up to stress, and to foster a sense of self-awareness. Mostly, though, it did lead to a lot of questions. The questions that I listed at the beginning. And, and my invitation is, is for people to check out the resources that I've presented and to think about the questions raised and to see how you stand in terms of your position with the questions presented. My hope is to educate and empower. My hope is to participate in, to, to, you know, find the courage to participate in an important conversation and to encourage others to continue to have this conversation because I think we're just at the starting point of really maturely addressing this conversation that has kind of been uh, sidelined, pushed to the side, or uh, taking place in, in, in a whisper. We have to be a little bit more confident and recognize that there are a whole bunch of benefits. I have a lot of links and resources in the show notes. And I just want to thank you for joining me for another Tip of the Iceberg conversation. I hope you enjoyed this meeting of the minds, as awkward as the topic may have been. I had mixed feelings putting this episode together. You know, I, I was nervous. While it was awkward, however, it does feel good to contribute to an important conversation because I, I think it's important to overcome the shame and the guilt that often goes with flying solo. So, until next time, peace and take care.